Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by who else? BetOnline.ag. Look, BetOnline, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. It's got you covered for news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website, BetOnline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is only a BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. So happy to bring back some returning guests today to talk about some gambling lines and other things that are going on in the world of sports right now. First one, our golf expert on this pod, it's Scott Sang. Hello, Scott. Hey, how's it going? And also coming up on the pod, we're so happy to have him back. He is also a betting Chicago resident expert, NBC's Bet Preps, Brad Feinberg. Hello, Brad, how are you? Outstanding, my friend, how are you today? I'm doing excellent, you guys, glad to have you back. We're going to get into a couple of different topics. Might hit a little baseball, might hit a little uh, basketball, maybe finish up with just a little bit of golf with a Memorial tournament coming up around the corner. Just real quick. Let's just hop in the news of the day. Uh, this is coming down on a Wednesday right now. Brad Stevens looks like he's moving up and Danny Ainge is moving out real quick. Brad, just your reaction real quick to this. I mean, is it, I can't, we can't just blame this all on the nets, right? Obviously there are other things going on with Boston far beyond that point. Yeah, look, Boston all year, it's just, you know, sometimes it's just not your year, Joey. And it seemed like to me this was one of those cases where all year this team just wasn't right. What's interesting is when you look at the roster, at least when I look at the roster, you know, you see Jalen Brown, who had an amazing, you know, season. You see Jason Tatum, who's a top 15 player in the world. You see Marcus Smart, a gritty, tough kind of guy. You know, Robert Williams, I thought, showed real promise. Like, you would think it would be like a flat out good team, but they just didn't have it all year. Uh, it just, for whatever reason, it just didn't match, didn't click. I think Brad Stevens was just, was frustrated that, you know, it just, it wasn't happening now. You know, he's stepping into the role that Danny Ainge had. He's going to be tasked with finding a new coach. I read potentially they're looking at chasing kid. We'll see. I think it's a good job though, because to me, review of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, uh, Robert Williams, again, I do like, I think this is the team that can turn it around. Uh, very disappointing year this year, but look, the last couple of years, this was a team that was in like the uh, in the conference finals. So I think it's a, a job that can be very easily uh, turned around, and I think it's a good a good position for someone who's to get it. I'm in agreement with you. The pieces are in place, right? It just feels like that Ainge is kind of whiffed on maybe a couple of draft picks, maybe a couple of depth yeah. pieces here and there, and the surrounding cast isn't quite the same as it has been in the years past. And they can't keep, they can't really get the point guard position correct. So maybe that's why they're looking at a guy like Jason Kidd to maybe sort of maybe figure that out, and you know, maybe try and like retool. Because yeah, Jason Tatum's been absolutely amazing at times, but they can't really get past uh, the obviously, you know, playing the Nets is going to be tough. But they just can't get past that first round. That first round, Scott. In terms of the NBA playoffs right now, what are you, what are you clicking in right now? Are you looking on the East? Are you looking on the West side right now? What's kind of catching your eye? Well, okay, so I'm all about the uh, the West. I know that, uh, you know, New Jersey's obviously the prohibitive favorite. Uh, they were even before the the uh, Anthony Davis injury here, but, um, and the big three. And of course, there's, I'm, I'd still favor them, but I do, I, I, I gotta, I feel, I'm feeling the, that Western team, and come in and, and beat these guys down. Um, they don't defend, right, New Jersey. Um, and then you got the big three. They haven't had too much time together. I get how great they are. Um, 
but I, it's just hard for me to envision the NBA champion uh, maybe in the 80s with the Lakers and the Celtics, but not to, to be winning games, you know, 153 to 145. <laughs> um, but maybe, you know, I, I'm probably wrong. But uh, I, I think whoever comes out of the West, that's a big question who's going to be. But uh, shoot, I mean, Phoenix, right? And if Anthony Davis doesn't play and the way that LeBron kind of sort of uh, casually exited the game last night, they're in a lot of trouble. Phoenix could all of a sudden be one of these crazy dark horse situations. And Brad, just back over to the East real quick. Let's just talk about the Sixers for a second. You know, still plus 900 to win the title, plus 400 to win the East. But with the Embiid injury, how do you kind of handicap them moving forward? Maybe getting out of the first round, but can they make a deep run without Embiid? Well, no, if Embiid's not going to play, Joey, no, they're not going to have a chance. But from what I've been told, um, I actually do have some contacts in the organization. I, I think he's going to be okay. From what I've been told, again, I nasty fall, right? You know, really yeah, nasty, nasty fall. I think he's definitely going to miss the next game. I don't think he's going. I don't think, at least as of today, they think he's going to be out for the season or anything like that. I think that hopefully by next series he comes back. Now, if he comes back in the next series against Atlanta. I certainly think Atlanta's good enough to get a game or two for sure. But I think the Sixers are tough. Um, I, I think that – and, I, Scott, I'm going to disagree with you. I think whoever comes out of the East is going gonna, is gonna to win the title. Um, I think the three best teams are all in the East probably. Um, I, I like the East Bear and I like the West, and I don't, I don't even think it's that close. I think that these teams are definitely better. That I really is, do. That is, that really, is really interesting. So, yeah, Sixers are plus 900 to win the title. If I remember correctly, these are all consensus numbers. So, if, if you see something different, let me know. But I think the Bucks were plus 550. And then, obviously, the Nets probably had, you know, you know odds that are a little bit closer to the margin on that. Well, well but just to everyone listening, I want to, Joe, I mean, this is a good, a really good tool for everyone listening. You just said the Bucks are plus 550. <laughs> if, if, I want you to understand what a horrible bet that is. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I want to know. And this is for every listener out here. These are called mechanical parlays because right now the Nets are a over a two to one favorite to beat the, uh, the Bucs. Now, I'm not saying the Bucs aren't going to win the title, but let's suppose you like the Bucs to win the title. If you take plus 550, you're throwing away so much money on the table. Let me walk you through this real quick, Joey. You could take them getting two to one against um, the Nets right now, which is a one in three chance. If they play Philadelphia next, they'll be an underdog again. But let's even just call it 50-50. So one out of three becomes one out of six. And then in the finals, let's just call that one out of two. That's a one out of 12 chance they win the title, which translates to 11 to one. So plus 550 is someone coming and stealing from you. I mean, so just do a mechanical parlay, okay? That's that's the way to get around that. The sports books, they're, they're, they're always trying to get the advantage. So if you do these mechanical parlays, you can – get that advantage and not have to worry about that them doing that to you because you can really get the bucks at double digit odds doing the way I just said. Oh man, my eyes are, my eyes are wide open. That's, it's a, that's an amazing, that's an amazing breakdown. Follow up to that real quick, Brad. So obviously the nets in the East right now are a really just, they're, they're the popular team. They're the team that everyone kind of wants to watch. They got all the stars in the team. How would you propose uh, you know, amateur prospective gamblers to actually wager on the Nets right now. Where, where would you kind of get involved with them? Would it, not necessarily maybe to win the title, but like, would you be playing their overs in the games? Would you be playing the series? You know, if someone wanted to get their their feet wet with the Nets, how would you go about it? Well, when you say their overs in the game show again, it just again, I bet you you bet numbers, not teams. And what I mean by that is, 
oh, I like the over, and I'm just going to like the over in the next game. Well, if I made the over 320, like an all-star game, you probably wouldn't like the over. It's all, everything's based on value. You know what I'm saying? You, you have to make your own number of what you think the over-under should be. If you think it should be 232 and a half, and it comes in at 228 and a half, then yeah, I would get the over. But if you made the under 232 and a half, and they made it 237, no, I'm not betting that over. I'm looking to the under. I eat. Try not to have biases. My favorite thing to do, Joe, and I've, we've talked about in the show before, is to do live betting, because then you can co- you can watch a game, have no thoughts. You know, Bucks against the Nets. Okay, let me see. Let me see how it's looking. And you, it, it may be in that game, Giannis is being guarded well and is and struggling, or or maybe Kevin Durant just not having a good night that night. And it looks like it's just Milwaukee's night, or it looks like it's just Brooklyn's night. Depend depending. Trust your eyes. I way prefer to do the live betting. And how have I bet the Nets? I'll tell you how I bet the Nets. In game before, Joey, they were playing um, uh, against Boston. They were up by, I want to say, like 13 at half. And I made a large bet on them in the third quarter. Pick them. Or may, maybe I laid a half. I, no, I did. I took pick them. I took pick them in the third quarter. Now, I want to explain to you why this is such a powerful bet. And these are the bets that, and I have, these, this is what I make my money on. This is a bet that wins over 60% of the time. When you have the better team, and clearly everyone would say Brooklyn's better than Boston, okay? And it's the third quarter, okay? So you know that it's not the fourth quarter. They're, you're still going to get max effort. It's not the fourth quarter when the scrubs could be in, okay? You're going max effort, okay? You have the better team trying their hardest. Pick them. Just think about what a powerful tool that is. You can't lose. Right. Because when you have the better team trying their hardest and you're not laying a spread, you physically cannot lose. And those games it, it are my favorite ones to bet by far. When I think I have the better team, max effort, and I don't have to lay points. The problem is usually in those situations, you have to go with an entire half where in the fourth quarter, the they could be up by 23 and they only win by 16 because other players come in and they're not trying to win. But in the third quarter, they're still trying their best to extend the lead. And you can get these different bets, Joey, on all, a bunch of different sports books because they do it. And and that, to me, is how I would look at, you know, I, when you with the Nets, when they were playing an inferior team like Boston, as opposed to betting the game, I was able to get the third quarter, far better team, knowing no, knowing no odds. That's such a great bet. Well, and you're bringing up such a great point, too, as well, because as we've seen in the playoffs right now, clearly – the scoring is transferred over to the playoffs. Everyone thought that there was going to be a little more of a nip tuck as we're kind of seeing sure. these are still kind of going through the roof. But again, that's where, you know, that's where the, the lines can really take advantage of a better, right? Is they can put them just kind of out of the reach to make it in that little kind of nebulous area a little bit to kind of really hammer it home. Um, Scott. And I also want to hear from Brad too, as well in, in the NBA playoffs too, as well. Is there any value in looking at individual performance at this point? I mean, like Scott, like you see guys like, Tatum putting up 50. You see Damian Lillard put up 55 last night. Maybe not before the game, but live betting, a guy comes out and gets hot, and you kind of start to realize that this is turning into like a one-on-five situation. Do you think there's ever value in that? Yeah, in live betting for sure. I Absolutely. I mean, Damian Lillard, uh, as you just – I mean, you just saw the other night. Uh, he can pop off, and that's that kind of what goes on um, with these individual stars now. So – I do, I do think there's value in that. Devin Booker, you, you've seen it with him. You've seen it with um, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell yes. has a big game, and then yeah, Durant and Kyrie have kind of sort of switched off great games here and there. Like, 
Yeah, I think there's definitely value in that. Um, it is it's it, across the board. Um, I'd say it's applicable, like just it's a star driven league. And I think that it, that it carries over with, with the betting too, I, um, with the hot hand when a guy's really feeling it. I mean, you already know that he's getting going to be getting wide open shots and given every benefit of the doubt on every call. I mean, that somebody's scoring, that seems to be kind of the way they want that to continue the league. And I think the refs know like, all right, let's, you know, this, let this guy keep going off. I think that's, Look, I'm speculating, obviously, but I do think there is overall, there's a lot that is working towards um, an environment where that value is real. I do. Yeah, especially in the West right now, you just have a lot of these teams that seem to be kind of being driven by one guy, whether it's the Luka, whether it's the Jokic, as you mentioned, Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard. I mean, it seems like something that you can maybe you can get into. Like uh, last night, it was just like Dame, Damian Lillard has to have a great game if they were going to stay in that series. He had that great game, and they still lost. One last thing on the NBA before we move on, Brad. You talked about the East, so are you leaning in one particular direction right now with one team, at least about who you think is going to come out of the East right now? Well, I do want to actually say, Joey, and I, I real circle back to what you were talking about with Scott, because I, I, one of my favorite things to look at, hmm. and, and I'm going to answer these things in a second, but like the minutes guys are playing, and I'll give you a good example. Hmm. During the regular season, DeAndre Ayton averaged 30 minutes a game, and he averaged 14 and a half points. Okay. Against the Lakers, he's averaged about 40 minutes a game, and the over-under has maybe only been about anywhere from, because I bet this, 14 and a half, 15. Well, theoretically, your over should be closer to 18 and a half. So, what I like to look at in these playoff games, Joey, is I don't care what the guy did in the regular season minutes-wise. I'm caring what he's getting now minutes-wise. And if I can get, you know, um, an advantage on that where they're looking so much what he did in the regular season versus how many minutes is he getting now, to me, that's a huge edge. Look, it just got announced Joel Embiid has a meniscus tear, um, a small meniscus tear, it says. So um, I don't think that it's – they're saying it can be managed with with physical therapy um so i don't know um two weeks though don't you think brad at least well no it it, it says again it says he will list his day-to-day which doesn't make sense in the sense that uh usually you hear meniscus care you're thinking guys out months <sighs> but the injury will be managed with physical therapy and a treatment program I, I don't know. Again, it's if it can, um, uh, if it can sideline Jay Cutler in an NFC Championship game. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, Brad. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Well, that's different. It's the quarterback <laughs> taking shots every play. But I know. Um, no, you know, it's, and not, you play it's, it's a small meniscus tear. But again, as I always say, like these um, these players are human beings, they're not robots. Sometimes they're. We tend to think, oh, okay, the, the, the guy's going to be 100% if he plays. Well, you know, look, if I have a, a meniscus tear and I just physically can't play, maybe I'm playing, but maybe as opposed to being right now, I think Embiid, in my opinion, I think he's been the best player in the NBA this year. It's just my opinion, having watched him this year, I think he's been the best player. If he's now only, let's just say, the 30th best player, which is still a really good player, well, then the Sixers go from being arguably the best team in the league to team that's no chance. No chance. So, you know, um, it, to me, look, when I, I think the Nets are probably the most likely winner, guys. Yeah. But the thing about the Nets is I, I watched that series against Boston. I was a little – I know they won 4-1, to one, but, man, defensively, I just wasn't really that impressed. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's not going to – I thought they were going to walk through it and win kind of easily, guys. I don't – anymore having – again, I'd rather – 
I have a thing. I'd rather be right than be consistent, <laughs> you know, and I, I you got to be able to change your mind if you don't, if you see certain things. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Milwaukee even beat them. I, I am picking the Nets to win, but um, I was a little, I don't know. I, I didn't think they looked as good as I thought they would look against Boston. Yeah, and this is first round, first blush, right? Obviously, Milwaukee is the team that just played the best first sure. round series that doesn't always like apply. And just and just going back to you to what you're talking about in terms of looking at people's like per 36, you know, sure. or the minutes that they play in the regular season, what they're doing in the playoffs, that works as an inverse, right? Where take a guy like Enos Cantor on the Trailblazers, who averaged almost a double double this year, and he can't get on the court. You know what Correct. I mean? So if you want to play the under on him. Just based exactly. on the matchups in the series, that is always a great way to look at it, too, as well. Let's flip over to baseball real quick. Scott, uh, you're going to go first, my friend. Let's just talk about uh, the White Sox right now. You know, kind of a tough series against Cleveland. They've Cleveland's been playing them tough. They've got great pitching on that team. But overall, what are you seeing from this White Sox team? Very encouraged. They've been consistently winning. Um, they're playing at a really good pace. Uh, they're doing this, again, without – Jimenez the entire year and Robert now for a month and it's going to go on already. And it's going to go on through at least probably August uh, towards the end. But for them to be doing what they're doing without those two guys and having guys like uh, Mercedes step up, although he's fallen off a little bit here lately, long season and Billy Hamilton playing some great defense, uh, picking, picking up bags. Um, hitting a couple jacks, <laughs> Billy Hamilton. Seriously. He's the big spark plug. Uh, they love him. Um, he's, he brings a certain amount of energy. He's a great clubhouse guy. You know, it depends, you know, how much stock do you put into that? I don't know. But whatever it is, it's hard to put your finger on it exactly, but they seem to have some sort of winning chemistry in spite of these these obstacles that they've had out the gates. And, and Tony LaRusso is, you know, still – you know, dusting off the cobwebs. Um, and, um, I, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not worried about him as, as the season goes on, but there's still like a, a re learning curve, but very encouraged. I think they're, I, I, they think they're winning that division. They have the best talent of that in that division and, uh, they don't even have two of their best players, which they will, I think be getting back later. I just don't see how they don't win the division. And I even mentioned their starting pitching, which has been, uh, arguably the best in baseball. I mean, Carlos Rodon's in, been incredible. Uh, Cease has uh, been hit and miss, but he's got unbelievable stuff. He, he's going to overall continue to get uh, better, more good than bad. Uh, although his last outing wasn't so great. And then Lance Lynn is just a horse. He just, every, you can pencil in six, seven innings, one, zero runs, and about a K an inning, maybe a little more. And just like clockwork, every outing. Um, and Giolito was awesome his last time out, and he's got the talent. And Keiko's their five. And then you got Kopech, and that bullpen is loaded with firearms. On paper, I don't who's better than them in the American League? Well, we're going to find out. I mean, they're going to play the Rays coming up. They just got done with the Yankees, had a little bit of like a sobering reminder. I mean, you can lose a, you can lose a series in Yankee Stadium early on in the season. But to your point, man, What's so intriguing and encouraging about this team right now, obviously, is the depth, right? And you're hoping that as the season gets a little bit deeper, maybe they add someone via trade. Maybe they get at least one guy back from injury. But this depth is going to be really, really important to kind of help back people, you know, back up the you know the long season that's ahead. You know, there's still another 100 games. 
and it has been really encouraging. They're minus 400 right now to win to the, the division. So I'm not sure how that value exactly plays itself out. But Scott, I do want to ask you, so what I, what I kind of did is a fun thing is I kind of pulled a couple of White Sox fans uh, previous to this pod. And I said, hey, like, give me a couple of values that you're interested in. And we're going to bring it on the pod here. And you're going to tell me whether this is a good value, bad value, or maybe something that actually might be something worth investing in. Um, the first one is there's three to choose from. Uh, Mercedes, eight to one right now to win Rookie of the Year. Jose Abreu, thirty to one to win AL MVP, or Jose Abreu, fourteen to one to win RBI crown. Which one, or neither of them, do you think is the best value? I would say the RBI crown. He's got forty-five right now. Okay, so he's been hitting over the last year, let's say calendar year, uh, between last year and this year, he had it. An RB, he had, a, uh, I think, what, the exact same number of RBIs as he played games last year, so, or close to the 60, 60, and 60, or 62 and 60 games. Uh, he's working at a, 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 a close enough pace right now. He's always been a big RBI guy. They have guys that get on base in front of him. And he, so Abreu, what's one of the beautiful things about him is that he's a, he does not give up at bats for, like, he knows his role. He's the one, the guy to drive in runs. So when there's two strikes, he will adjust. Um, and he does a great job at the, in, in putting the, you know, putting that defensive swing on and hitting it where they ain't and getting those, like, you know, hitting it to right, um, knocking it down, it, um, get, put, put, punching in the wrong way or sack fly, which he did in extras um, a couple days ago. He just has a knack for, and he understands how to do it. He's such a professional hitter. He's so seasoned. He just drives in runs. And so 14 to one to, for him to lead the, the AL. I like that. Um, I like that more than MVP because he won it last year and I, 30, 30 to one's nice number, but I just, I don't see him winning the MVP again. And then the Mercedes rookie of the year. Mm, I don't like it. I don't really love it. Uh, long season. He's kind of tailed off here a little bit and he's DH only. Um, it's not even juicy. Is, it's not even juicy enough, right? To even really kind of sniff at at this moment. It's just not. It's just not. That's the bottom line. So I do like. I, I'm not even. I'm not liking that one. I don't. I'm not. I don't like the the thirty to one on the MVP. I do like the value at fourteen to one uh, for the RBI leader for Jose Abreu. Yeah, no. Out of the ones you said to me, Abreu clearly at fourteen to one. That would be the only one. That I would look at because what's good about that, like an MVP award, a lot of times is luck in the sense that you may think he deserves to win it, and he and he doesn't, you know, just because they, as Scott said, he won it last year. I think it'll be hard for him to win it again, just because of the fact that, you know, usually when you win it once, it's it's hard to do it again. But actually, Abreu right now, I actually look. I don't know where you saw. I'm curious, Joey, where you you know where you saw that at because. Um, I show right now he's leading the league in RBIs. Uh, I would actually make a max bet on that. Um, bet on I would actually AD. Make, <laughs> no, I, I know, no, no. But he does. The, That's where I'm getting my uh, numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would make a, a large bet on him to win um, to win the RBI title. In fact, he's leading it right now about a third of the way through the season, and I'm getting 14 to one on the guy who's actually winning it. I would make a very large bet on that. That's far and away the best. Those odds should not be that high. No. <laughs> Yeah, they shouldn't. No, I, I looked at that and I was like, oh, wow, this guy kind of sort of does this every year. I mean, he drives and runs. He's always in the, at least the top five. It's almost like the golfer, right? That like 
is at least hanging around the top five. And you, if you can bet on him at that price to win the tournament, that seems like a pretty good way to go. I saw DeGrom at plus 900 for NL MVP. Now, look, pitchers winning MVPs is really hard, but the Mets are first in the division right now. DeGrom is having a historic season, and there really isn't anyone in the, the NL that's sticking out right now from an MVP. Is plus? Do you wish that plus 900 number was a little bit higher, or or is that kind of a, is that still a stay away? You know, it's funny. Earlier in the year, it was, God, I want to say it was after his second start. I came so close to betting him at 15 and the one and win MVP. I didn't. Uh, because I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like he really is that good. Like the guy pitched a shutout every game, but it is hard. Look, it, it's interesting because right now, um, there isn't been like that hitter that has unbelievable stats in the. I mean, Acuna has been good, but uh, they have been a bad team or whatnot. Look, yeah, I, I think at nine to one, I don't think that's a bad bet in the sense that if he keeps pitching this well and he has a historic season where he is the RA of like Bob Gibson level one point one two. Uh, which he hit back, I think, in 1968. Um, I don't think that's a bad bet at all because actually right now he would probably be, if not the favorite, I don't know. I think I think he would be the favorite right now. So to me, if you're going to be 9-1 odds, I don't think I, I could certainly do a lot worse than that. Well, yeah, Acuna right now is what he's leading. He's got 16 home runs. He's leading, but they're not winning the division. East has got 16 home runs, but, great. But, but he's hurt again. He's got an oblique injury. You can't really trust him to stay healthy. Chris Bryant on the Cubs is 15 to one, but look like are they, yeah. they'd have to lead the NL in wins, right? For him to even be, yeah. he already has one under really his keep it up. So if the Mets win the division and DeGrom just has this record setting season, despite what the wins are, I kind of like that all of a sudden, right? Uh, Scott, hop in. I just want to say one thing I think is a, a huge thing that uh, has mentioned that would align with uh, this, this thought on liking this DeGrom MVP. This is the year of the pitcher. They, the snitches on the ball, they change it. Pitching is dominating. So, and that's the narrative. That is not a hidden narrative. I mean, that is out in the open. Everyone knows this. It's being openly discussed. So it would make sense for like, okay, you got Jacob DeGrom with 0.71 ERA. It's all about the pitching this year. The hitting is down. If there were ever a year where they were going to toss that, that uh, MVP and, you know, Cy Young uh, to a pitcher, it, it would be this year to a, to a, the like the most dominant pitcher in the game who's pitching like that on a team that's in first place and like i think that narrative that's going to keep up all year with the pitching there's basically one hitter in baseball right now i mean ish or two Acuna and, and vlad guerrero that are putting up like you know your Pujols and cabrera prime numbers other than that, after that all the big guys are they're they're suppressed um and those are i mean special special talent so they're the like guys that are able to overcome it. Otherwise, though, NL MVP, I think that Grom, um, like for Brad, maybe it might be harder to stomach because he was close to betting at 15 to one, and now it's down to nine. But removing that with a clean slate, I'm liking, you got to like nine to one for him. I, I think that's good. And Scott, you're bringing up such a great point because I'm just talking strictly in baseball. It is a big part of narrative, right? Like, because they start crunching the war and the numbers and all that stuff, and your team has yeah. to be good. But that narrative, right? So, like, a month from now, DeGrom's starting the All-Star game, and they start doing the, why can't he be the MVP? And they start running all those numbers, and if he can keep it going, it's definitely possible. Final thing on baseball, Brad, just anything else that's catching your eye right now going on through the league? Um, maybe any inside tips that also you can uh, uh, pawn off to our uh, young gamblers out there? 
Well, yeah. And again, like I said before, I'd rather be right than be consistent. Before the year, I had three big positions. I had um, my three biggest bets were the uh, Mets to win the division, the White Sox to win the division, and Tampa Bay to go under 87 and a half wins. So two of those three have looked pretty good so far, the Mets and the White Sox. But Tampa Bay has, I believe, the best record in baseball. They and find a way. Somehow. Yeah. They find a way. But you, So I'm like, you know what? I just saw them, and I just did this literally two days ago. I bet them at 15-1 to to win the pennant, which I think is oh. an incredible bet. They have the best record in baseball, and I oh. bet them at 4-1 to one to win the division. I just did this two days ago, and I'm like, they're saying there's a 20% chance they win the division when they have a five-and-a-half game lead. No freaking way. It's way higher than that. But if you look on sites like Fangraphs or any of these – 538s they have the odds at over 50 percent now again i don't think it's that high necessarily but my point being you know joey is that just because i didn't think tampa bay was going to be good this year i'm going to be wrong a lot and i'm good at what i do but i'm still going to be wrong a lot and when i am wrong instead of being stubborn oh i thought tampa bay was going to be bad before the year which i did i actually really thought they were going to be a below 500 team um instead of being stubborn about that and burying my head in the stand oh no i i i Brad can never be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. So I've been wrong on this team. And instead of fighting it, okay, I'm, you know, I'm joining the dark side, so to speak. All right, I'll, I'll let's, let's go Tampa. I'm, I'm going to lose my under 87 bet, but maybe they win the division now and I get a four to one shot there. Maybe they win the go to back to the world series. I'm getting 15 to one on the team. That's the best record in baseball right now. It's an incredible bet. So like, to me, that, that's just what I'm saying is there's always value out there and don't be stubborn. And just because you think something before the year doesn't mean that it's like that. Now, always be open-minded to things changing and, and, and evolving. And, and again, bet numbers, not teams. And, and, and like, again, Tampa Bay, I wasn't high on them before the year, but the number on that team was way too high at four to one to win the division way too high at 15 to one to win the pennant. So I made a big bet on it. Yeah. That's, that's such an interesting call. And I, I, and Scott, uh, this is going to make you upset, but this makes me think about the North side team a little bit, you know, just really quickly because they were 78 and a half over, over under mm-hmm. for wins this year. Obviously they're trending in the different direction. They're still five to one to win the NL central 22 to one to win the uh, national league outright. I'm not going out there and saying, you know, I think it's a little bit more of a wait and see on the Chicago Cubs. But you're right, Brad. You do have to be flexible. You do have to be fluid. You have to be ready to kind of roll with the punches, even if you do take a position early in the year, especially in baseball, you got to be ready to roll and go in a different direction for sure. And let's move on to our final topic. Scott, my friend, we have some golf coming up. Uh, We have not talked since Phil Mickelson. Uh, <laughs> I think we're all now uh, aspiring to see what we are all capable of. Uh, I know like in my 30s, I think I can do anything now. If Phil can do it at 50, I can do it. Uh, <laughs> make it happen. But let's just talk about, um, let's talk a little bit about the Memorial Tournament right now. It looks like John Rahm uh, has the best odds right now at 13 to 1. You got Speed DeChambeau, a lot of the normal dudes up there. Morikawa is 20 to 1. Um, maybe not to win, but like talk about some guys that you like, maybe some top five plays, top 10 plays. How are you handicapping this Memorial tournament coming up? Um, I, right now I'm, I'm thinking, uh, this is a good tournament and a good time, uh, traditionally. And also with, with, uh, the way things have gone lately to, to get back on the favorite, the favorite train, the PGA did not uh, work out that way at all. And it traditionally is one of the more wide open, the Memorial, 
it's not always one of the 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 household like huge favorites who wins it, but the they are traditionally highly like way up there on that leaderboard. This one holds steady. And I think so are, are you saying like uh, you're saying a lot of like, uh, you know, are you saying like some scores? Are we going to see some double digit, some minus double digits uh, for the leader? I, I, I think I think so. I think someone's going to pop off between, you know, your ROMs. I think Justin Thomas is is, is a good time for him to kind of like uh, reacclimate himself to like contending. Um, I mean, it's, I'm saying that like it's been so long. I mean, what he wanted, you know, he's, he's winning tournaments like not that long ago, but everything is seems just so fluid. It seems like where's Thomas been? Um, Spieth is is back in that that category for sure. Um, so I like these guys. And then in terms of somebody that's kind of off the radar, outside of the favorite, and I shouldn't say off the radar, but I'm just going to stick with it because. Um, I just, he's just played such good golf and he's been playing such good golf and he's such a good ball striker is like my, our, uh, man crush of the last, you know, month and a half. It's, uh, just, I want to st- stick with some Corey Connors up action, um, Memorial. He can, I mean, he's, he can strike it playing well. I mean, last week he was, he was good. Um, he wasn't in contention for the win, but like really no one was, um, so, uh, no, I say no one, obviously, meaning like the uh, guys that were, even the guys that were playing well, you don't have those wind conditions, which were insane in Kiwa Island. Um, I like, so I, I, you know, I'd put a bet on, I don't know what his odds are for top five, but I'm imagining they're probably good enough uh, for me to make that bet. I would have researched it ahead of time, but um, I didn't get a chance. It was a little caught up this week um, and moving, but yeah, I was going to say, you uh, can pull back the curtain, baby. You were moving, man. People do, I, people do it all the time. Move. It's not easy. Yeah. So I, I'm a little bit behind on being able to, uh, to, to really assess the numbers, but in terms of just, just generally um, I probably leaned back towards like the favorites and maybe a little sprinkle some Connors action again in there. Um, I, I've got and- one. I've got one for you. Um, you tell me which value you like more, or maybe you like either. Um, Tony Finau, five to one for top five or top 10, four to one. I'm going to get his last name wrong, but he just played pretty well in the last couple of tournaments. Bezunin de Hoot. Bezunin de Hoot. Bezunin Yeah, yeah. Bezunin Hoot. Um, Finau top five. Yeah. Yeah. So Memorial's, uh, it's, uh, it's got some, it's got some good length to it. He is a short hitter. He's a great uh, short game, excellent putter, but he cannot hang lengthwise. Um, last week, now you'd say, well, last week it, he was played great and it was a really long course. True. Different play. But the damn wind conditions were insane that it that time pretty much mitigated a lot of that stuff because some of those guys, I mean, were putting up huge numbers and not in a good way. Um, even if they were long, because that wind, if you could be long with now you got 14, 15 mile per hour winds, all of a sudden you're flying over the green. So Busenhol was, that actually worked to his advantage being a little bit shorter there. Um, I don't think that's, I mean, for him to finish in the top 10 again, now this week at Memorial, nah, give me Finau top five. It's not, not that I necessarily love Finau, but I feel better about him at, you said what, five, five to one top five versus five to one top five. Busenhol. Uh, plus 175 four to one? yeah yeah uh plus a boot uh, for top 10 four to one and then right. top 10 for finau is plus 175 so it's still 
still a plus number, you know, uh, can go either way. I just don't like Besenholt for this tournament um, this week. So well, that's what happens, though, right? Like a guy kind of flashes in a previous tournament and then they kind of put the number at a certain place. And the casual fan goes, hey, I just saw him last week. It's this great number. I mean, honestly, NASCAR is kind of like this, too, as well, where like different cars and different races do well at different tracks. You can easily get caught up and get a bad value on something per tournament or per race, you know? Yeah. So form is a big thing in golf, but it's it's not everything. Um, it is it's just one aspect. And so I do not I just don't like I just think he's a bad person to be placing bets on this week uh, coming off of a successful uh, week last week. There was a lot of different factors involved. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's golf is tough, man, no matter any way you shake it. I mean, Phil Mickelson winning at 50 years old. And I love Phil I, for the record. I just love him. He's awesome. He is so cool. He's just a golf head. He's hysterical. Like he's just a funny dude. I, I, well, in that final round, that final round too, he was so human, right? He was kind of, he dropped one in the water. He kind of lost a couple of strokes. You know, what was he minus 10, I think on Friday. And then he kind of sort of came back to the pack, but no one got up there. No one got up there to even challenge him. So he's just a wizard, man. He He's a risk taker. So like, that's what's going to be scary about him. And, and, Cause he, he can be volatile like that, but he has so much talent and he's still really long. I mean, in terms of off the tee for his age, Phil Mickelson blasted. I mean, he hits bombs. I mean, you hear him say, it's like one thing about this course requires, it requires you to hit bombs. And fellas, as he's talking to uh, the, the golf channel guys, I hit bombs. So <laughs> like, that's, he's just, and his, oh, his short game, his touch, he can just pull off. It's just a thing of beauty. These shots that, I mean, he's got wedges that are like razor thin and he just, just, perfect just, just gets it right underneath this dex the dexterity phil mickelson is a treasure I, to me he's a national treasure and he's so it's just so special of a talent and i just love i just love everything about phil mickelson i just do i think he's great i'm so happy that he won um yeah it was 50 years old. it was really really cool and uh, awesome to see and obviously probably now i don't want to get ahead of myself but maybe a carrot for tiger to kind of chase maybe somewhere down the road speaking of national treasures we're going to get out of here on this one brad we haven't talked since the nfl draft um i was kind of following some of your value picks that you brought here on this pod and i feel like a lot of them uh, paid off pretty well but just give us your quick thoughts on justin fields and what the chicago bears were able to do um, I mean, I'm excited. I'm just dying to kind of hear your thoughts about how this might play out for the Bears in the 2021 season. Well, it's interesting. One of my, I bet nine season win bets, Joey, and one of them was the Bears under seven and a half wins, which I loved. Uh, I got out of that bet when they drafted <laughs> Justin Fields. I got out of the bet because I already know Andy Dalton's not good. I don't know if Justin Fields isn't good. He may be great. Uh, he may be mediocre. He may be bad. I don't know. The point being is, uh, he certainly has the ability uh, to be a game changer. Look, I liked, I think that Pace obviously had nothing to lose. I mean, he's borderline ruined the franchise with a lot of his moves. He's just, you know what's funny? And I just said, he, Ryan Pace needed to listen to this podcast and when I say, I'd rather be right than be consistent because he was consistent that Mitch Trubisky was a Hall of Famer. He wouldn't get off it. Like, forget being good. He Anything less than Mitch Trubisky being in Canton, Ohio, he couldn't accept. And that really hurt the franchise, in my opinion. He just was so stubborn 
because he took him second overall in the draft or third over, I think it was second, second overall in the draft, that that meant that Mitch Trubisky had to be a great player. And he he just couldn't get off that call. Um, I think Fields, you know, I think he has a chance to be a really good player. As a Chicago fan, I'd be very excited. They clearly needed to do this. Um, will it work out? Maybe, maybe not. But I thought it was a worthwhile gamble. I think he's a player that has the ability to potentially be a superstar. And if you miss, okay, you miss. But I actually thought it was a very worthwhile gamble. And I, again, I got out of my Bears under seven and a half that because he actually does scare me. That's great to hear. And honestly, man, that's such a great point about, you know, the, the, the concept of being right versus consistent. Ryan Pace literally needed to have the pitchforks and the fire, yeah. the fire town outside of his house banging on his front door before he actually decided this offseason, you know what, I have to get desperate. I have to get yeah. creative and, and I have to try and make something happen. You're so right on that, Brad. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and, and he, he did it. Credit to him, at least he did do it. But again, that's one thing in life. People, especially in the sports industry, in my opinion, get wrong, Joey, is they get married to a, a certain concept, a certain player, and they, they're they a day late versus being a day early and getting off it. And uh, I think that that's a key is when you know that something isn't right, just because you thought it beforehand. Again, I'd change my mind all the time. I'd be like, Brad, you just told me you well, two weeks ago you thought the Nets couldn't lose. Okay, yeah, I, I, I did feel confident the Nets couldn't lose. Now when I watched them against Boston, I felt like maybe there were some things there that I wasn't as confident as I was before I made that comment. Again, are you looking for me never to change my mind? And I've been, I'm wrong all the time. And I think if you're a sports executive, a sports gambler, it really doesn't make a difference. You have to be open to the fact that you're going to be wrong a lot and accept that. And if you can, if you could see when you're wrong faster than the market sees it, then you're really, you're right back to being ahead because you could flip that mistake and, and go on and do better things. And that's just my opinion. I think that's a mistake some people in life make. No, that's such a Brad. That I'm so happy that you say that, and I, I'm so happy you've been able to come on to these pods and talk about this stuff. Because I mean, honestly, doesn't that extend to life? I mean, Scott, I I'm want like, you to weigh in too as well. Yeah. Like, ego and pride can be tools for success, but they can also get you so far, and they can also hinder your success too as well. If you can't have the you know the open mind and the perspective to see the forest beyond the trees, you know what I mean? A hundred percent. I would say that ego and pride. Uh, a lot more so works to a detriment, your detriment than it does to your benefit um, because it's, it's, it's removing rationale um, and in, in, in place of, uh, it should be objectivity. And so the, and I think what, what Brad touched on is, I think you are, I mean, you've definitely seen executives starting to adopt that. It's a new day and age. Quarterbacks, it's, it's about now, 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 because these guys come in, they're more NFL ready than ever. And you can pretty much, I think like you could tell now, like after honestly, like a handful of games, like if this guy, if we should be moving on or not, um, look at the Redskins, Dwayne Haskins. Bye-bye. Yeah. How about Arizona? How do you think they're happy that they, they punted on Josh Rosen right, right away um, with, you know, now they have Kyler Murray. I mean, I thought, I thought Miami should, was like legitimately should consider a quarterback and seeing what they could get for Tua and, and going with one of these guys this year instead, because I didn't like what I saw from Tua in the limited action. And uh, I'm not the one who felt that. And now they're in a position again to get a guy. Um, and they could actually, you know, because now a year later, let's say Tua continues on being mediocre, you ain't going to be able to get a first round pick for him or, uh, or something, anything like, I mean, it's just, 
It's just not the case. So I think these executives, obviously they didn't make a move for quarterback, uh, but I think we're seeing that trend. And I think it's only going to continue that way. And I think it's smart to do it in, in, in this direction. Um, you don't, you can't wait. You can't guys, five-year development, four-year development quarterbacks, even two, three years, forget about it. Like that is just not the, the name of the game anymore. It's just not how it works. And, um, and that's, uh, and I'm just I, very excited. Uh, again, I just can't contain my excitement about Justin Fields. <laughs> I, I just, I, one thing I just want to say about him that's off, uh, there's so much. He, ha- he checks all the boxes. He's got the arm strength. He was unbelievably accurate. He's four, four, th- high four threes, four, four speed. Um, his, uh, he did it in big games. And then this is such a big thing too. He had this, he scored like genius level highest ever on that aptitude test, which is a uh, measure is basically your capacity to, to quickly and correctly and efficiently absorb information. Like meaning like being able to like, so you can give him a playbook and he is going to be able to absorb it and get it down quicker a lot faster than somebody else and do it. And, and he has the physical abilities to execute it and seeing the field. I mean, he scored a 130 on that thing. A hundred is considered an, an excellent score. He scored 130. Mahomes is super smart. 108, 130. That's why every time I go back, I go, how did, how was this guy? How did he, add, how did he last to, to 11? Well, his throwing motion and whatever he transferred from Georgia and all this other stuff that so they trying to create. And who the fuck cares? Yeah, I, I'm in agreement. With, I, I'm su- I'm super excited. The one thing that I like so much the most about Justin Fields, also, and it's this is just something that the Chicago Bears have never had before. We've had the sarcastic quarterback, we've had the fiery quarterback, we've had the Mitch Trubisky quarterback. We just you know I just want to be the best quarterback I can be. Justin Fields has no problem saying. I want to be a franchise quarterback and I want to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And honestly, we've never in Chicago had someone that's been so confident in coming out there and saying that gentlemen, we got to get you out of here. This is believe in betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much for joining Brad Feinberg. Always a pleasure. My friend, thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying your summer and uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Come on. I love being on with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. And we'll speak soon. Always. Yeah. And Scott, Scott saying, everyone, thank you so much for your golf picks, man. Great to see you. Congratulations on the move. Summer is here. It's right around the corner. You got a new place to enjoy it, man. You got it. Thanks a lot. And uh, next week, uh, we do have to talk about, I, at some point, I got to get this out there. I need to go on blast on LeBron James. Sorry. <laughs> the most overrated athlete in the history of the universe. We got to talk. It's got to be a topic. I have to get that off my chest in, in, a, in a public capacity. We are going to carve out a form for you, my friend, and we are going to give you space. Me and Brad are going to take five steps back, and we're just going to let you roll. Thank you so much for being on this episode. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Make sure you head to the website because it's free to sign up, and you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's pretty good. Only at BetOnline.ag. This was Believe in Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. We got more coming. Thank you so much. Enjoy the day. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.